Welcome back, adventurer. Care for another story? One of a hero's triumph against darkness? A dragon's journey of self-discovery? Or perhaps two souls' quests to find unity? Well, pull up a chair and have a listen. Everybody and welcome to this episode of the RPG Show, the show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. My name's Brent. I'm your host, and with me today I have uh, two flyboys themselves. First, we have Nick Ferry is my spirit animal Gantner. How you doing, buddy? Well, Ferry's also my sexual partner. You shouldn't talk about him like me like that on air. Let's move on. We have <laughs> we also have Blaine swings a sword like a pussy jay. How's it going, man? Oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> wow, that's really offensive. <laughs> you started it, man. I did, yeah, I did. did. I kind of came in with the attacks, like, right on the front end. I don't know why I was feeling that sort of... I was feeling saucy today, guys. It's all good. You're always it. feeling saucy, though. That's because... Is that a fat joke? Hey, if you want to take it that way, then yes. All right, fine. Whatever. All right. Well, today, we're talking Breath of Fire 3. We've made it all the way to three. It feels like we've been doing Breath of Fire games forever now. <laughs> but, they are kind of long, man. Uh, it's just been like, what, six months? It's been six months or something like that. Uh, it's not that bad. Uh, we'll talk about this game. It, this was this game, Breath of Fire 3 itself, together. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It was released in September 11th, 1997 for the PS1 by Capcom, as we all know. So, um, and for everybody that's new to this shit, all right, like you never listened to us before, and you're just jumping on a new episode and not listening to old ones. Good, because we get better every time. That's right. But we break this shit into a few categories. We've got gameplay, story, visual, audio, overall experience, and replayability. We'll each give it a score, one through five. We'll discuss along the way. I think we're all set to go. Gameplay. Well, I'm going to throw it right to Nick, man. Tell me, tell me some about the gameplay here. All right. Uh, the gameplay is. Your typical turn-based RPG kind of fair, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that are a bit different about the game. Um, like I guess the most notable is the fact that if your character has 1.5 times the agility that the enemies have, you get an extra turn at the end of the phase, of the combat phase, or whatever, the, the, the turn that you're in, Yeah, uh, which is a pretty nifty feature. Um, you get uh, The way that the, the menu kind of works is a bit different than it has ever I guess it's, I don't know if this was the first time this was ever implemented but uh, you get this kind of cross thing on the screen mm-hmm. um, and you have to press a different direction of the d-pad to choose your type of uh, like your command like attack magic examine defend all that kind of stuff um, and so uh, the combat works pretty much like you choose your actions uh, everybody goes in order of agility um, 
there is a unique command called examine, which you don't do anything. You just watch the enemy, and if they use a skill that is learnable, you learn that ability. Um, but it's restricted to one character. Like, as soon as one character learns that ability, you can never learn it again. But you can trade abilities between your characters as long as they are not unique to that character. Yep. Um, you also get um, a bunch of different things, like... Uh, like each character has their own kind of specialty, like uh, Ryu turns into a dragon, of course. Uh, Nina's back to being the mage. Uh, you get this kind of scientist chick uh, who does some kind of magic. Um, and my favorite personal character is Ray, who, after a certain point in the game, uh, gets the ability to turn into a werewolf, sort of like a were-tiger. It's more of a, yeah, um, like a were-cat. Yeah, because he's like a tiger man. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, he gets a bunch of power. The uh, flip side is he becomes berserk. He can't control him anymore, and he uh, just he will target any character, whether it's enemy or or ally. There's a couple ways to work around this. One of the abilities you can learn from a, a monster, for example, is uh, shit. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it forces uh, characters that you can't control anymore to attack a certain. Uh, enemy, so you just use that, and every turn he'll attack that particular one, which is kind of shitty, because you have to waste a turn on one of your other characters making it so that Ray doesn't attack your own characters, so uh, I think there's also something you can do to make him not berserk anymore. I can't really remember. I didn't really bother with it too much. Um, I, sorry? No, I was just saying that's a, it's a, it's a, it's interesting that you would go through so much trouble to, to work around that berserk mechanic um, instead of just not using him. Well, it's, he's a cool character, so, you know. But that's just like an example of gameplay. There are things you can do to manipulate the way the characters work. Uh, like the dragon system has been completely overhauled from previous yes. games. Yes. Yeah. Um, the previous games, you just went to like a shrine, um, or like something happened during the gameplay. I think that uh, with the second one, where you just like you unlock the dragons or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and that's how you got your next forms. This one, you collect these gene stones, um, yeah. and you can put three at a time. Um, like you can put them together any order you want, um, and the, each different combination will create a different type of dragon. You yeah. get like little whelps, you get big Kaiser dragons, you get like a behemoth dragon, and the, depending on what genes you put in there, the attributes change. Like you could have uh, an ice behemoth or a fire behemoth or a fire whelp. Um, sometimes, depending on what you put in there, your character will be uncontrollable, just like with Ray. Um, but it's definitely it's something to mix and match with, or you can just look up online and find the best transformation at any given point in time with the amount of genes you have, but it's a little bit of fun. You find um, If you find a good gene that you like, a good gene pair, or I guess a triple, I don't remember what the hell a triple proper term is, triplet, not yeah. pair, whatever. A trio? Uh, trio, there you go. A good gene trio, you can save it and then call it at any point in the future, so it's like a, a hotkey type thing. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm right, like, just to stop you right here, this game... Like, if we went on and just listed every nuance in the mechanics of the game, we could be here all day. This game has a like surprising plethora of unique systems and ideas across the spectrum. Like, uh, you mentioned the common, combining the, the dragon stones. We get to build a town again. We get the master system, which is really cool in how you level up. So, it, around the world, there are these NPCs that are masters. And what they'll do is, um, like, your character will serve 
underneath them or whatever, quote unquote, like and, an apprentice. Like an apprentice. And when you level up, depending on the master of the character, affects their stat ups and certain skills they can learn. And you know, it plus you know learning abilities from uh, enemies and being able to trade them with skill ink uh, really provides a super in depth way to level and uh, progress characters. Uh, Blaine, was there anything in particular, like, you know, right out the gate that really stood out to you as far as the gameplay of this game is concerned? Uh, yeah. Um, right away you'll notice that it's kind of a pseudo 3D or isometric type of view, and um, unlike modern games where you have full range of, like, movement to see wherever it is in the environment, in this one you have to hold the, I believe it's the light trigger button in order to mm-hmm. see around off obstacles and behind trees and all this kind of crap. And, and honestly, when, when this game first came out, I was one of the first people in mind to buy it. I loved the Breath of Fire series, and it was really innovative and cool at that time. But going back to it, it's really hard to get in that kind of environment. It feels really limiting and kind of annoying to always have to check around every corner to see if there's a treasure chest or what have you. So uh, I... I can I can see that, and uh, I can also see how um, this game does suffer from the uh, lack of explanations, uh, because there are a few systems that I went a very long time without realizing were actual systems. So, like the ability to learn uh, skills from monsters, no idea, nobody told me. Just I, I like one time I was just like, "What does this do?" And then uh, the masters, like I got all the way through like past like where you have like uh like momo and you're getting ready to discover the baby uh shit what's that character's name the little onion kid Pico? yes um or peco i guess peco uh-huh. peco um i had made it about that far before i realized that there were masters and that i had missed masters so um it's it's it is a uh it does suffer from that a bit uh, was there anything like to the benefit of the gameplay that you really like uh, drawed you in, Blaine? Oh yeah, um, this game back in the day and even now, uh, it has the, in my opinion, of all the Breath of Fire games, has the very best fishing game. I've actually spent more time fishing in this game than I have playing the game. I find it really like cathartic. I don't know to just sit there and fish, and I would challenge myself to catch things even with the very first like. Uh, wooden rod that you got i've managed Mm -hmm. to catch whales using that rod um yeah i don't know i just i don't know why i like it so much it's just and it's uh, it's stupid it's stupid in depth that fishing game is like yeah yeah, the amount of uh things you can do or like equipment and variations out there and then you got the little merchant you can sometimes get it's like Mm -hmm. it is insane like for a fishing game uh oh yeah Another cool little bonus that I realized when I was playing the game, did you guys realize it's the left triggers also function as, like, confirm and decline? Yes. Because that means, like, when I'm grinding, I just I just work with one hand. Like, it could just be over here on the controller. What are you doing with that other hand, bro? We'll get to yeah, that. We'll, grinding, get to that huh? we'll get to that in uh, quick fire questions. Um, okay. But no, uh, no, that's really cool because like if, you know, especially because I got the kid. So like if I'm I'm holding her or something and I'm trying to you know, just like grind out some levels and I'm, I can be I can be playing with her, but still just like mashing, like confirm over on this hand. You know, it's it's easy. I'm going to make makes life work. Uh, it's also a feature in Suikoden and Suikoden 2. Yeah, but 
I mean, I didn't notice in Circuit in Circuit 2. So there's uh, that. What kind of gamer doesn't press every button on the controller? This guy. All right, fair enough. I have a lot of games to play, man. I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm just playing what they're giving me. I'm not. I don't have time for what does this do a lot of the time. Uh, what What are some other features that really stood out for you, Nick? Um, I'm fairly certain we've covered the majority of them. Okay. Um, there's like a part of the game. I guess has more to do with plot and less features of gameplay, where your characters start as adolescents or teenagers, mm-hmm. most of them at least, and then at its point of the game you become adults yeah um that's cool like some of your overworld actions change a little bit but nothing too yes big um um, that is also a reoccurring uh the uh, like a mechanic that's moved forward through uh breath of fire is your characters have overworld abilities and they play into uh puzzles exploration treasure gathering that kind of thing even if they don't quite make sense it seems like anyone should be able to swing a sword or kick a tree but you know whatever Hey man, sometimes you gotta, you know, I'm really good at kicking, and you can kind of swing your sword like a pussy. So I mean, why not? Right. We just we just stick with what we're good at, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, that's that's where I'm at. Maybe maybe Tipo had the steel toe boots, and uh, you know, Ryu didn't. Yeah, kind of strange that he would have the ability to cut things down the overhead when he was literally just learned how to use a sword. You know, as you pointed out, he swings it like a. <laughs> no, I found that super entertaining when I, when I load up the game. It's like your main hero is just like holding it to the side, waving it around like a maniac. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? It's a ch- he's a child. I know. He it's literally great. just came out of like being in a crystal for who knows how long. But then the part that gets me is like he continues to do that for a long time, and like I just nailed this wood chopping thing, right? Like, like I just nailed it. Like I'd fucking cut a million wood in half. And yet after that, I still kind of like turn and like swing it off to the side, like an idiot. Like, wasn't that supposed to be my training? Guess not. I guess I got to meet, uh, like, I don't know. When does he stop? Is it around the time you meet Nina? Uh, whenever he becomes an adolescent, isn't it? Like a young man. Uh, no, uh, maybe. I have no idea. uh... I didn't really pay too much attention. All that was when he becomes an, like older, then he starts being a man about it. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Definitely for sure. That's fair. Uh, so we'll just go around the table, do what we like, didn't like about gameplay. Uh, Blaine, what are some things that you liked about gameplay? Well, virtually everything. I mean, this is your standard fare Breath of Fire game, you know, one through four anyway. Um, yeah, it just plays like a Breath of Fire. Uh, standard turn-based battles, everything, you know, magic, special attacks, you know, all kinds of stuff. I like that. As I said, I love the fishing. I didn't like the isometric view or whatever you want to call the almost unique view of this game. I like that there's uh, little, like, uh, Easter egg-type things if you search everywhere, you know. Like, there's a scarecrow at the beginning of the game you search, and he, like, says, hey, you know, you're doing it right. You need to be searching everything in the world or something. And it's like, like, oh, yeah, thank you, you know, and, yeah. searching around hiding items where you wouldn't think they would be and stuff uh, a lot of interactability for a game of this uh, era you know like there are portraits on the wall that you can search and it may only say like that's a stern face or whatever but it will have some kind of something or, you know a lot of games didn't do that the only things that were really searchable were the treasure chests and like yeah. uh, NPCs and stuff so there was some thought put into it in that regard and uh, yeah that, that's about it and you know 
I mean, how do how do you feel about the uh, the master system as a progression path? Yeah, yeah, I love the master system. It's unfortunate that the best masters aren't till quite late into the game because you've wasted a lot of time. Like, you know, like early on, you get what is it, Banyan or Bunyan or whatever, mm-hmm. and you get the wizard character as well. Neither of which are really great for the main character or Re. I guess you could say like Bunyan be okay with Re, but I really like maxing out his agility more than anything else. So yeah. Uh, you don't really get anybody that can help with that till later, so it's, it really boons you to not even use those until you get, like, Gar later in the game. Bunyan's pretty good for Gar, but then later he gets outclassed by another master whose name escapes me. But the, the whole system itself is great. I do love the, uh, the pixie system. I don't like it nearly as much as I do the town-building system in 2. I, I thought that that was probably the best system as far as replayability and stuff. Um, it's still pretty cool. You, you build a little pixie village and stuff, and you're able to send them out to find items and do various other tasks and stuff, and that was pretty neat too. So there's not a lot I dislike about this game. The, the only thing gameplay-wise really is the way the uh, overhead dungeons and stuff work. Everything else is you know, pretty standard fare. It's a little grindy, but that's par for the course for this era. All right. What about you, Nick? What are some things that work for you in gameplay? Uh, definitely the overhaul of the uh, dragon system. Okay. Um, I remember just as a kid uh, putting a bunch of different combinations together, experimenting with different things, and seeing what came out of it, and that added a lot to the gameplay for me. Uh, again, with agreeing with Blaine about the fishing, like there is something about that fishing minigame that uh, it could have been a game in and of itself. Like honestly, they could have just thrown that out for twenty bucks and been like, "Here you go, here do some fishing, put the fire fishing," and uh, I'm fairly certain they would have gotten high scores. Like it's that good, in my opinion. It's strangely fun. I, I don't know what it, like. I will play Breath of Fire just to play the fishing aspects of it. Every couple of years, you know, I got some saves that are at the end game and whatnot. And I, I play it as though it's a fishing game more than I do an RPG. Are there any other mini games in the game? Uh, mini games in the game that you enjoy? No. Not really. Like I hate, I hate to pick the fairy building shit. Like it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's annoying, but uh, you know, it's to an end. I don't find it as annoying. Uh, anytime they give me like customizable stuff like that, uh, even if there is you know an obviously wrong way to do things, I just enjoy that choice. Like being able to make that choice, it's just something that works for me in general. Um, I will agree that it's not as good as the town building system in 2, but uh, at least it made an appearance. Like, if it, we had went from 2 with this awesome town building thing to 3 with no, nothing like that even resembled it, I think it would have been a much greater travesty than what we got. Um, but... Uh, I can agree with that. There's, the, there's also the... I hate the master system. We'll get, to oh, really? that. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'll let you... I'll well, let it's you. part of the gameplay. I'm asking you what you liked about gameplay. Oh, fair enough. Right. Uh, I, I thought you were talking about the uh, the Sega system that preceded the Genesis. <laughs> oh man, that's every joke everybody's ever. Yeah, I know. Good. All right. Um, so, uh, as far as things that I enjoyed about gameplay, I'm gonna be right up front. Like, I fucking loved this game. Like, uh, I was into it. Uh, I played way more than I should have. It definitely detracted from me being able to get other things done. Uh, so the Dragon combo system, I liked. Once I found out the the way the master system worked, I liked it. Um, I liked it as a, you know, even though, like you say, there are some masters that are obviously for other people, I do enjoy the choice of being able to say, you know, I could, I could, um, 
maybe average out a person's stats. They might not be best at one thing, but they're way better at a bunch of things and that kind of stuff. Like I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, there are some shitty masters, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, there, uh, like you guys said, the fishing was awesome. Like it, it, it can be, it can be frustrating at times, but not like the, a bad kind of frustrating because it's it's entertaining. It's keeping you engaged. Um, it's challenging. I also enjoyed the overall difficulty of this game, and I'll I'll uh, throw that to the Breath of Fire series as a whole. Like um, so far, they've felt way more um, of an appropriate difficulty than other RPGs I've played because it's really easy for an RPG just to be easy. Like you just you know, you grind shit out in the beginning and it's all downhill from there because you're already, you kind of snowball through the rest of the game. And this one didn't feel that way. It felt like an appropriate difficulty all the way through without things being too punishing. So like the idea that um, if you have a character that dies, they res at the end of fight, but they have a debuff to their max HP. So, I mean, you can't just die and die and die before you go to an inn, but you, you're not necessarily up shit creek if you know what i'm saying uh things like that i really really enjoyed the flow of battle from exploring to like it, it generating it right there on the map was really cool i was super surprised to see that the first time it happened um just i mean i can't i, I could go on all day about how much i fucking love this game um but not everything's perfect so nick why don't you tell us some things that didn't work for you about this game uh, fairy town building. Okay, what else? Um, the well, I appreciate the like the examine system, like learning abilities from enemies. Um, I didn't like that you were capped in the amount of abilities you have at a t- at a time, and also that you couldn't just um like you were you were restricted to one copy of the ability regardless. Like you couldn't learn more copies for other characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of bothered me, especially for a game that was boasting such uh, like a system where they were like, oh, you can customize everything. Um, what if I wanted to have all my characters be magicians? I feel like I should have been able to give them the, be given the chance to equally equip each of my characters with the skills that I deemed were valuable. Um, and that leads me into not liking the master system. Uh, is any game that requires me to have to care about my character's stats uh, like customize, like worry about maxing them and minning them and all that kind of crap. I, I hate that. And the fact that the, each of the masters like would raise like uh like budding like oh you get two strength and some defense but you lose some uh, intelligence and you lose some AP and I'm like fuck but I need that. I don't want to be doing this. If it's like I enjoy just playing the game. I don't like micromanaging too much and it feels like that's what they're asking you to do. But uh, that's just me being weird, I guess. I think but. I think you don't like it because the system is objectively contrary to your obsessive completionist nature of playing games. Yeah. I guess. I, like, I, mean, I have to have max stats. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why you don't like it because it is it is diametrically opposed to like that person that wants every spell for every character, every stat for every character. Now, for somebody like me that you know, enjoys the custom, uh, like being able to customize my characters. I don't care if everyone has max in every stat. Like I'm going to, you know, I want to fill people to niche roles or some, sometimes like make everybody like Jack of all trades, depending on how I'm playing the game. Like the system works great for me, but I can, I can see how now that you've said it, like I completely see how 
you and the way you play games would be just so opposed to the way the fucking master system works. Uh, it just seems like a fuck ton of work for you. There's also <laughs> that they're kind of some of them are hidden and some yeah. of them are missable, which both both rub me the wrong way wrong way about everything. Anytime there's something in a game that's missable, anytime there's like points of no return, fuck that, get rid of that. No. Okay. All right. You shouldn't have to play the game over again to get the one little thing you missed. Like, no, that's retarded to me. So. Again, I think that is just because it's it's the opposite. Because I I think we've established uh, over this year and a half of doing this that we have very different ways of playing games, and you just feel the need to get everything. And I'm okay with stuff being missable. Like that's you know, that's why there's that leaves more to the game when you, you know, complete the first time, like you're done and you can go, Oh shit, there was this thing here that I could have done. Well, now I'm encouraged to play the game again to find things I missed on the first playthrough. Um, so that, that kind of stuff works for me. All right, Blaine, what are some things that didn't work for you in the gameplay? Um, well, as I said, but, uh, while we're kind of on the subject of completionists and stuff, I think this would be a good time to tell my story. of why Oh yes. This, this, this amazing story that I've <sighs> the- heard so much about. To be on the show in the first place, specifically the Breath Fire 3 show. Um, I, as I said, I bought this when I came out, and I, like Nick, am a completionist when it comes to RPGs. I, I want to get everything available for every character, if possible. Things like the Master System, where, you know, the those, those are okay. Like, I can take or leave it. It's kind of a love-hate relationship. I do like some custom ability or whatever, but um, things that you can do in the game but are skippable, like infuriates me to no end if I find out that I missed something five hours after the fact and I can't go back and get said item or do whatever and as such I typically buy the guides or did buy the guides uh, to these games this is not pre-internet days but it's before I had a home computer you know I I was 18 I think when this came out 18 or 19 and I was pretty poor I bought this the guide and there's a fight early on in the game where you fight these two guys, Balio and Sunder, and mm-hmm. they're like mobsters. They're unicorn anthropomorphic men that are kind of mobsters or whatever. And it is a fight that uh, you lose. They just like kick the shit out of you, right? Well, in the Prima Guide, the official guide for this game, it tells you that that fight is indeed winnable, right? So wow. you can beat Balio and Sunder. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. And it says it doesn't change anything in the game, but you're awarded with a fire sword, which is like way earlier than you should be able to get it. This is a later game weapon. So I was like, that's cool. And then I think some form of armor as well. So I was like, okay, I have to get this, right? So I spent all these hours prepping for it. And then I tried to fight them. And after like a two hour long fight, I got defeated. I was like, all right, more. So I leveled more and more. And by, by the end of it, just long story short, I had fished every fish that was available at this point to 99. So I had, you know, 99 piranhas, 99 bass, 90, all that shit that you can get. I had, you know, 99 berries. I had stolen 99 vitamins, 99 herbs, all this stuff. I was in the uh, late 20s on each character for levels, right? Uh-huh. And me and my best friend at the time and roommate... And a couple of other guys fought Bailey on Sunder for over 17 hours. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And Bailey, which, whichever one does the damn lightning kick over and over, he ran out of AP like 
five hours in or something, and he's just like, it would try and kick and it'd say out of AP. And the other one was just barely doing physical damage to us, and I was able to, you know, heal. And then when we got down to literally the 99 berries packet, eventually they did, you know, kill us. And I was like, okay, fuck this game, you know. But I, I went ahead, I loved the game, so I persevered and I played through it. I didn't learn until years later that that was total bullshit. Whoever had written the Prima Guide just threw that shit in out their ass. It's completely bullshit. You can't beat Bailey on Thunder. And, like, countless people have tried with Game Sharks, etc. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not doable. There is no Fire Sword. There is no Cake or whatever. It's it's all bullshit. That so, That is, that is, uh, yeah, most disturbing. That is true for the first encounter, but the second encounter, when you're under the castle, I think you can beat them. They're just not supposed to. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But it said it was specific as per it was the uh, the very first battle where you fought them outside the burning house, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's bullshit. Whoever, whoever wrote that guy deserves to be drawn and quartered. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's a messed up thing to do, man. A little ever. And, you know, I fought the other one as well. I don't know if I managed to beat them. I, I probably did because I was so OP overpowered. In fact, the rest of the game was just completely easy at, at, after that point because the main character, you know, he's with you throughout and he was overpowered. Um, anyway, I just thought I'd share that story. But outside of that, uh, as for what I didn't like about gameplay, I think I already went over that. It's um, not much, really. You know, I actually kind of like the Master System outside of it not being more customizable early on. Um, I like it. I don't like the fact that any one character can uh, get a single skill and you can't you know, spread the love around or whatever. That's kind of BS. Uh, I would like the examine system instead of being like for everybody. I would have rather that been like central to one character maybe. Kind of like, you know, Strago is your Blue Mage in Final Fantasy 3-6. Um, maybe have like Pico because he's largely useless. Like have that be his deal where he can examine people and like maybe do you know enemies attacks or something that would have been cool uh other than that you know the game's great i love it i don't i don't really know what to say bad about it okay all right um well for me some things that i didn't necessarily like uh and it's mostly just the fact that so many uh, it has so many systems right it has a ton of systems in it and so much of it is hidden and not explained to you so the fact that there were masters early on and nobody just because I didn't go back and talk to Bunyan like two extra times or some shit, like I went on and did what he told me to do means I missed out on knowing that there was a system in place. Um, you know, along with the examine skill, like to me, if I see I'm in an RPG, right. And there's a skill that's an eyeball and it says examine to me, that means you're going to try and figure out what their health is. And if they have weaknesses or whatever that, that to me is what that ability's for, right? Like, that's all you ever see that for. But then in this game, you mean you learn an ability? Well, fuck! <laughs> like, how is that just to gather that information yeah, without... That, but, like, the abilities that are able to be learned are so few and far between that, you know... Yeah. You so, really need a guide to tell you. Yeah, and so, I mean, it really kind of... Like, that kind of shit pisses me off when you have... Like, you have all these systems. You've put all this work into the game... Tell me that they're there. Like, don't let me go, oh, fuck, there was this whole thing I could have been doing this entire time. Well, fuck you. No, that's not, that doesn't work for me. Um, 
Well, to be fair, I believe the system is explained in the manual, and this is a game of the era where you needed to read the manual. I think I think PS One era, like they were starting to stray away from like having a a, a ton in the manual. Like oh, I got it right here. Well, yeah, I, I, well say I can go pull it off the shelf. Well, I understand that this one probably did, but I'm thinking of a lot of PS One games that had just like the manual was the like the menu system, your controls, and like a little blurb of story. Like now, I I completely believe you when you say that the the Breath of Fire three manual has all this information that is explained to you in that manual. Yeah. But um, the, like, I don't know. I feel like that's what was PS2 era because every single PS1 game I have has a pretty in-depth manual. For sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This, this has a whole on page 18 master teacher system. So I guess. I, I still I still feel like on a PS1 disc you should have enough like I can I can understand if it's a cartridge and you have all this limited memory, but this is this is a CD-ROM disc, right? The, like you have plenty of room to tell me sure, what 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 what's going on. But I take time to change. You know, it's just like the arcade games we've received on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo were basically designed around you know taking your quarters which weren't a commodity for a home system but they were still built that way yeah because that was the way people were used to building them and so this is just kind of a overhaul from the cartridge days people were still used to putting that type of information in a manual they hadn't yet learned like oh we could just put this in the fucking game you know but where would where would camp come because like i don't remember that being a problem in breath of fire one or two but that could be because their systems are kind of they're just kind of simple really yeah so uh that's probably that's i guess it's fair but it's still like i i don't find that to be a good excuse like i think in general even in 97 that's poor game design like when you think about uh popular games for the series they have tutorials available to you in game to explain the game mechanics sure. like so i but even even today when you buy a lot of games some of them still come with some form of manual which is like hilarious it you know today's day you know? yeah well what are you so, doing buying a physical copy of a, a new game anyway because you want to keep it forever as opposed to losing it on whatever system you have and then just to be lost well i mean they're not they're not gonna that's that's a whole nother i mean go download scott pilgrim versus the world right now on your ps3 you can't do it because they lost the right so if you hadn't downloaded it before it's just gone and in, as a matter of fact you can't get it anywhere there's no physical copies so once all the systems that have it downloaded to them are gone that game is gone and that's, that's I, I, I mean I, I i can understand that like from your perspective but like the thing is yes it has the possibility to go away but that like the cost like all right so this is going into like a can't develop- go into a cost analysis because they still charge the same or even exactly. more. Well, the, the, that's the reason. That's even more for digital sometimes. That's, like that's, if a physical copies on. Sale I understand. For that's, listen, bucks. listen. Stop talking. Stop talking. That's the reason they charge more for digital copies because they have to produce so many physical copies based on contracts they have signed to produce the disc, the car, like the the case and the manual. So they're not making as much on that. So they're offsetting that by increasing the cost of the digital copy. Okay. So if everything went to digital, then the general price of games would go down. But it can't because the physical medium as a whole is is too ingrained in where it is. I so. disagree, but I think they would keep the prices the same. Just if that was 
why not? I said it, I'm saying it could go down. Like I'm not saying it will. Like your your triple A titles will likely not go down. But you borrow games that I bought digitally. You know, well, I can't go sell them to GameStop. That's in technically with PSN you can if you share your your oh, yeah, login yeah. information, you download but it on their PlayStation, you get your login back. Yeah. Right. You can do it three times and they won't let you do it. And well, you just go into your account and delete that system off your thing. They can't use it anymore. Well, okay. That seems convoluted, but okay. Well, it's and, a thing. And <sighs> there you go. And I, I, I also think I'm coming at it from a like a, the perspective of digital is great for small developers, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you need digital distribution as a marketable uh, sphere for people that are these smaller companies and independent developers, all right? But the reason they, even if they have a game that is of quality of a AAA game, they can't always charge AAA prices because they're not, uh, they can't afford the upfront costs of physical distribution. So, uh it's this is a, I don't even want to be in this discussion right now. Let's just move on with our lives. You're the one that started it, man. Ah, oh, no, I shouldn't have. I should. I, all right, it's fine. All right, so gameplay. There was something I was gonna say, but fuck, you went on this goddamn diatribe, and I can't remember. Ah, uh, well, I mean, just it's whatever. Uh, damn it. All right, so gameplay. Uh, I talked about things I didn't like. Fuck the manual. I shouldn't have to read it in the manual. It's fine. Whatever. Let's score. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Um, I feel like as a child, even without the obstruction manual, like, or even as a RPG player in general, you should have been exploring things. And like, I distinctly know that near the beginning of the game, you can go into this little forest thing that has this kind of U shape in it. So it looks like, oh, there's something in there. Let me go in there, and you meet Magus, and you can pretty much. I think maybe from like an hour or two in the game, get your first master. And I feel like you should have found that. I mean, I I, money, yeah. I was looking around for a lot of stuff early on, uh, especially there's a there's a point in time where you have no idea where to go. Um, and I was like, especially like before you went in the mansion, like so before you because I couldn't figure out how to get in the mansion. So I was exploring every nook and cranny I can get into and I didn't find it. So... I mean, maybe I'm not that great at exploring. And again, I mean, there's uh, all these guys fixing a wall outside. Like, anyway, go ahead. I, all right, I get it. I get it. I mean, it, it was it stupid. Was like big, big red flag. You know? I, it was stupid when I found yeah. it. All right, no, it's cool. Because I mean, I think I talked to him once and nothing happened. And then when I came back and talked to him a second time, that's when Tipo was like, "Oh, we could totally like do whatever." And I was like, "Oh, okay, now that makes sense." So I don't know, whatever happened. You know, sometimes I struggle. All right, it's fine. It's fine. I'm allowed like, to maybe struggle. Maybe you're just not as good at games as you think you are, Brent. I never. I don't claim to be good at games. When has that been a thing? Fair enough. Well, well I would have assumed you would have gotten some skill from playing games for a show for the last year and a half. I think. I think, in fact, it has had the opposite effect. Because <laughs> like, before, like I, you know, I could spend seventy hours on a thirty. 30 hour game and just do everything I want to do. Like now this deadline shit really fucks with my head. Cause I get I frustrated when I get, when I get, I can't find where I'm supposed to be. I get super like, no, this is bullshit. And it makes me miss stuff. So, I mean, that's possible. Uh, add parenthood to that. Yes. No, that's fair. I mean, most of the time I spend playing is after she's asleep. 
so but even so i mean it limits the time you're able to play these things and you have it, to always be aware yeah it limits the amount of time you have to think about it too like because mm-hmm. i mean you can spend a lot of time just like thinking like you know working over stuff in your brain where have you been where haven't you been you know, because that's happened a lot where I've put a game down and I've been doing something else and be like, oh, I didn't fucking look in that place and then gone to do the thing. So, sure. gameplay. We'll score it. I'll go first. I'm going to give gameplay a 4.5. Nick, where you at? Five. Blaine, where you at? I was actually going to give it a 4.5. I have almost nothing against this game. Me either. I think it's 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 not uh, the perfect game, but it's it's amazing. And as much as like we just spent th- this past five ten minutes uh, trying to break it down, I I I can't stress enough how much I fucking loved playing this game um, more so than um, a lot of the games we've played this year. Uh, this is will be at the like when if there's ever a time. When in the future where I get to go back and play replay a lot of these games, this is at the top of that list because it, it was just great. I enjoyed every fucking minute of it. All right, now we'll move on to story. Nick, why don't you break the story down for us in a real simple, easy-to-digest uh, summary? So not my usual rant. Yeah, like, yeah, we don't need to hit every plot point, but what's the general premise of the story? Okay, uh, general premise of the story is character is a dragon, uh, to your knowledge, the last remaining dragon in the world. Uh, you are trying to survive in the world. You get swept up into events that lead to you learning how the dragons were eradicated from the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Then you spend your time uh, attempting to find out the truth about what is going on in the world and how everything is proceeding. Uh, you end up learning that there is the goddess's back and she's controlling Tipo and then you kill him. There you go. And that's it. I yeah. mean, that's, 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 he's not wrong. And that's the, the no. gist of the story. I mean, cause you're, you're cracked from an egg early on. Uh, you were discovered by Tipo and Ray and you basically do this, uh, Robin hood kids in the woods kind of thing where you're stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, but then you get, Followed with the wrong people, then you know you're kind of sent out on your own because you get your ass kicked. You meet up with Nina, then you travel. You you just get swept up into the story. And I will say that uh, say this about this story in particular, um, this Breath and Fire story, as opposed to the first two, because the first two were very much this is this is what's happening. Here's this new character. Here's their story. Back to what's happening. Here's this character. Here's their story. Back to what's happening. This is very much of like there's a main thoroughfare to the to the story, and you are not not completely railroaded through, but it is very much a strong central plot pulling you and the character from beginning to end. Now that being said, the char- the main character Ryu is kind of uh reacting to the plot instead of uh shaping the plot you follow me um but in mostly i really enjoyed uh the story of this game uh blaine what are some things that worked for you as far as the story of this game is concerned uh you know the, the one thing that stands out is uh gar's story arc mm-hmm. I, I don't really want to Spoil it, or maybe I can. I don't Go know. for it. I, we 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 spoiled the ending already. 
Yeah, he's basically a dragon hunter. He's one of the people that is the reason why dragons have been like wiped off the face of the earth or nearly so. And uh, yeah, it's just him, you know, uh, coming to terms with that, but getting to know Ryu and then like changing his tune and actually having to fight, I believe it's like his best friend or something that was also a dragon hunter. It's been a while since I hit that point in the game. I, I didn't get there in this playthrough. Well, and then also uh, when you um, defeat the goddess of the end, he kind of is like, you know, with her defeated, I can't exist anymore. And he kind of turns the stone. So it's a little bit of a sad uh, moment. Yeah, because yeah, he's like a gargoyle or whatever. Yeah, so. He's uh, by far my favorite character. But, oh, yeah, uh, no, he's, he's way cool. Yeah, other than that, not a lot stands out in memory. It's a, it's a breath fire game. Their, their stories are usually pretty you know, small in stature. And this one's a little wider scope than the preceding two, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's, you know, it's not a epic tale by any means. It's, it's good for what it is. And it, it expounds upon the, you know, the previous titles, but not a whole lot stands out in my mind outside of, you know, the whole caveat with Yar. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I think blue is back again, right? And, as uh, as this or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's about it. I don't remember a whole lot else. Outside of, you know, the, the whole Robin Hood story and stuff, because I, I did play through all that, and then uh, Bailey and Sunder putting you into slavery, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know. What about you, Nick? What are some things that work for you in this story? Um, I like the kind of duality of the story. Like, the first half is about innocence and the exposing the evils of the world, and then your character is becomes almost uh, like he wants to fix that, like, set it back on the right course. Yes. Um, which I thought was different. Like, cause usually you're not exposed to the, the like, child slavery, uh, like, genocide, and those kind of shit. And then you have, like, this bright, colorful atmosphere. The sprites are all, like, the game looks just colorful and poppy. And then it, it, the plot is dealing with all this kind of dark, heavy stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of a cool duality they kind of had going there. Um, and I really, like, just the beginning of the game is different you don't really often play as a character who's new to the world who's trying to learn what is going on and who's unfortunately just stuck in this it seems almost like back after back just horrible situation oh certainly um so uh, and then he kind of comes to peace with gar they be not necessarily become friends quite yet but they they have like a mutual respect mm-hmm. um and he matures as a person uh that kind of goes off and uh i liked the kind of like oh there well here's tipo he's uh, grown up too uh turns out he's being mind controlled uh by the goddess and he has to fight the goddess and uh, i thought it was a different take on how you end up fighting the end game antagonist from the other games so yeah and uh so uh yeah, I do really enjoy that while it is for some reason people that write stories for for RPGs, especially uh, JRPGs, they are really into uh, evil deities, right? Like they that is that is their thing. Like, you know, God is evil. And I'm really okay with that. I think that's a cool um, story trope that get that gets used. Uh, I do, I'm with you, Nick. I really enjoy that. Like, I mean, the game feels like the way it plays, the way it looks, the music sounds light and upbeat. And 
or, or sad when it needs to be sad, but it's not really, it's, you know, it's that, it's got that jazz undertone to it. So it's, it's very sort of, uh, evocative of certain feelings. But then like the first thing that happens is you're woken out of this egg by an explosion and then proceed to murder everyone you see. Yeah. In your defense, it's self-defense. It, it, it is, but it's, 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 it is, it is, uh, it's really great when like you see their their sprites be like charred and shit. Like you literally burn them alive, and it's showing that, and you're like, oh wow, this is a thing that's happening. These are these are workaday dudes that you know somebody unearthed the monster, and so they were scared for their lives, and then all of a sudden it starts roasting all their coworkers and catches up to them. You know, it's. I want to play the untold story of the boy who lost his father to a dragon attack. That's and that's grew the. Up to be the hero. That's the follow-up fanfic, man. That you just need to write it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, it is in. The, you're right. The themes are super dark. Like you have these two uh, heavy bruiser characters that beat up a couple of kids to near death, and then one of them survives, and they try and sell. He sells them into slavery, and you know it is. It is brutal this world is brutal and you get to see this main character Ryu he's sort of he's born into this world but he has this naive um, altruism where he just wants to do right by everybody wants to do the right thing and um, that carries through where we see everyone flip to like adulthood and for me that was really cool because you kind of got to see everyone sort of take that step um, progressively into you know what their adult sensibilities would be like where you know um, I don't know it was just super cool uh, and that's that's the sort of thing that that worked for me what are some things that did not work for you Nick um for the story yeah uh I mean if I have to find something um, yes, you do. I, I guess that no matter where you went, there was some kind of somebody that needed help. Okay. Like you had to do for him. Like it was kind of weird. Like you get to that lighthouse and you have to like train that guy so he can win the affections of uh, that girl as opposed to the big <sighs> muscle head guy, which I like. Worst. I'm not like I'm not like. Fuck, this is difficult because I, I didn't like it. I thought it was cool. There's something different. But like, you still had to go yourself and clear out the lighthouse anyway. And yeah. Whatever. Like, I'm struggling. This is difficult. All right. <laughs> Something really I can think of. Blaine, are there some things that did not work for you in the story? Uh, you know, it's a it's a good story. It's pretty standard fare. The only thing that I don't like about it is, and it's something that a lot of older RPGs suffer from, is the main character doesn't really interact with anyone himself. The story is really told around him. I would have preferred him to actually have more spoken dialogue and you know choices throughout yeah. to flush you know flesh him out a little bit but other than that i mean it's it's great it, it is you know it's breath fire uh, they really didn't do wrong until five so. i mean yeah I, i'm also a fan of the active protagonist where you know they're mm-hmm. they're speaking they have their own character uh well, this character, while a silent protagonist, um, I did get a more of a feeling of who he was than previous uh, reuse in the series, um, yeah, and sure. even more so than some of the other silent protagonists. We've they they did a lot. They almost 
like not as good, but almost wallied him where he doesn't really say anything or really do anything. But through his emotes and his actions in the cutscenes, you really get a sense of who he is. And I thought that was really cool. Um, even if he was, like I said earlier, just reacting to everything. Like he really never set anything in motion more or less he's he's reacting to a situation or stumbling into another situation and i always find that slightly disturb you know like not disturbing but a bit of a letdown because then you aren't the hero going through and fixing the world you're sort of the uh the guy that's good at a thing that just is always in the right place at the right time and that's not my 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 bag but um if we're going to go ahead and rank them, you know, rate them, I'll give the, I'll go ahead and give the story a five. The, like Nick said, the dual nature of it, the, uh, like it was effective. Gar's story is amazing and touching. Um, again, uh, like the, just, you get so used to seeing everybody as a kid and then to flip and see them be these badass adults. I'm, I'm in it. Nick, what about you? I'll also give it a five because I felt like, uh, they they managed to give the characters like personality and they felt like people sort of, which is uh, I guess difficult to do because you kind of you cared about them like the moment I remember the moment I got Ray back because when people were talking about like this were tiger thing eating people and I was like what the fuck I guess it's a monster I gotta kill it turns out it's Ray and you get him in your party again I'm like ah oh, fuck great yes give me him back kind of thing so it's definitely it definitely has an emotional thing to me so. All right, Blaine. Five. What about you? Um, it, it's four and a half for me, guys. Sorry, uh, it's it's not quite perfect levels of uh, storytelling. It is quite good, especially for a Breath of Fire game. Um, I feel like it could have been fleshed out a little more, but uh, it was it was really great. I don't want to like downplay that, but uh, for me to give a perfect rating, I really feel like it needs to be perfect. I don't know. Uh, for me, it, it, as long as it keep is as long as I don't get bored with what they're doing, uh, I, yeah. I tend to I tend to be pretty pretty right on with it um visually this game is goddamn gorgeous the monster like the sprite work is insane guys like oh my god i i like there were times where like a a boss or something would pop up and i would just i like this is the best thing i've ever seen like it, it like the sprite work was great now i know you didn't care for the isometric view so much blaine but i really didn't have a problem with it um even the kind of hiding stuff i think that's there's nothing super rare or important that's ever really hidden uh except for a few puzzles um that so it it wasn't enough to to bother me the so the um the this awesome hand-drawn sprite work across the this this isometric view i really i really enjoyed and they really go all out in certain scenes in the game to really um bring it all together so like the fights in the arena like all that's amazing where you're you're doing shit and you can see the crowd off to the side and you got the the bunny rabbit chick down in there with you like oh it's freaking great i loved it uh nick what do you got for me on it uh i'm completely under agreement with you this is probably one of the most gorgeous sprite games ever created and uh, I don't really know if there's anything you can say to detract it. Like I, I am hard pressed to recall anything in the game that I was like, "Oh, this looks shitty," or like, "This is why is this here? It doesn't fit here." Like everything felt 
natural and real and kind of thing. And so that's, yeah, that's mine. All right. Blaine, what about you? What do you get to say about how the game looked? Oh, it looked like shit. No, I'm kidding. It, it looked great, of course. Um, now, as far, as far as the isometric view or so, pseudo 3D, like that, that's more of a gameplay thing rather than actual visuals. Visuals on this game are great. Everything from, you know, the still animation of Ryu pulling out like a, an apple and eating it and stuff. I mean, just every little detail is nuanced throughout this game. It's all hand-drawn, beautiful. The only thing I will say is when you do uh, ship that camera angle, uh, a lot of the images, because they are hand-drawn, they don't, you know, they don't appear 3D as they should, and they, they look more like they're a flat image, but it's fine. That's, you know, what we got at the time. There's really nothing bad I can say about the, the imagery of this game. And, you know, I would say it's, it definitely, it holds up, like it doesn't, it doesn't date itself as right. much as like an early um, polygonal game does. Say like, like you know, Legend of Legaia or something. Or even, you know, something like Final Fantasy VII that really dates itself with its use of 3D. And yeah. I think, I think they're actually converse. So where uh, Breath of Fire has this awesome hand-drawn sprite work with this early 3d isometric background and final fantasy has really shitty early 3d uh mm-hmm. models but gorgeous hand-drawn gorgeous. backgrounds yeah. so it's like oh, maybe you should just do both and pull a legend of mana and make me happy uh, yeah. but anyway that's uh that's so visually i you know i can't give it anything less than a five nick i'll think of it a five i think uh, one of the coolest things to me as a kid was like you walk around on the overworld and then the, the battles start just right there. Yep. Like there's no like loading screen, no uh, face swipe, like nothing that. You're just like, oh, monsters are here. It's like, and then. Even though sometimes it ends up with like a monster behind something and you can't really yeah. see wh- where they are, that is a little jarring. But I can understand how it how difficult it would be for a developer to make that work 100% of the time. Like, because when I see something like that, I'm like, that poor programmer. Like, I saw that, like, the first time it happened, like, after I got over being amazed that it happened, my first thought was, that poor programmer. His life sucked. Because the the, the number of hours he spent going into a battle and then a fucking monster's over across on the other side of the screen, or it, like, like, drew, like, six too many, or it's underneath of a fucking tree somewhere, or they're right on top of the hero and it looks stupid. Like, no, his life sucked. Okay? Uh, But anyway, visuals, Blaine, how'd Uh, you feel? Well, I I said five. Oh, yeah, five. I got you. Yeah, I'll also just survive. I, I I really think it's just gorgeous. All right. On to the music. And out of all the Breath of Fire games we've played thus far, this this music is by far the best. It is uh, it is evocative, it's emotional, and the obvious jazz influences to it, because I'm a huge fan of jazz and blues, and I ate it up. Like this like it didn't take but four or five songs before this entire soundtrack was on playlist on my ipod all right like it it, i loved it um what about you guys blaine oh yeah i mean this because of all the hours i've spent on this game i mean this is literally the first playstation game that i bought and because of me being you know straight out of the house poor teenager at the time it was basically the only game i had the first year i had the ps1 so i played this way too much and they're all very nostalgic for me that I don't know if that's playing onto how much I actually like them, but uh, great, great soundtrack. Everything from the battle music to, you know, 
everything transitions well into each other and stuff. And like you said, it is jazz kind of influence there, real poppy, a lot of it and stuff. But there are some darker themes here and there. Uh, really great overall. Uh, I can't give it anything less than a five. I think it's uh, it's near perfect soundtrack or near enough of where I will give it a five. All right. What about you, Nick? Uh, five out of five. One of the best soundtracks ever created. There you go. That's that's. I knew that's where he'd be on that. Uh, so next is overall experience. Now, as I say every show, uh, at least for me, overall experience is my expectation versus the reality of what I played, how I feel about the game after I came out of it. And uh, overall, I think I was a bit let down with two. While I enjoyed the game, I was kind of okay. And I was really expecting three to kind of be yet again another simple iteration on a... Uh, overwhelmingly average title okay um and i will say that i was taken away uh i really like i said earlier in the show i played way too much of this game and in a a world in which myself and nick have dedicated ourselves to a very tight strict schedule and the amount of time we have to play these games i probably went over you know, if the game is about a 35, 40 hour game, I, I guarantee you I played 60, 65, maybe even 70 hours in the game. I don't remember what my last play time was because I haven't, I, I finished it about a week ago. So, um, I, way too much time in it. I loved it. I loved everything about it so much so that, you know, I had to revisit some of my notes here to remember the things that I really kind of annoyed me when I was playing it before we started the show. Um, so overall five, Nick. Um, I'm also going to give it a five and that's that obviously, I mean, from all the other scores, it's going to have to be a five. And I guess it's a mix of nostalgia and just that this game is just that damn good yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, that's where I'm going. All right, Blaine. Yeah, I, I gotta give it a five too. Out of all the Breath Fires, I feel like this is. If, if someone asked me, you know, which Breath Fires should I play first, I wouldn't say one or two. I would go with three. Uh, I like it better than four. There's a big debate on which one is actually better. I feel like it's three is the uh, shining star of the series, so I'm going to have to give it a five as well. We'll have to have that debate shortly. But anyway, you know, five, five is an excellent score. Now on to Nick's least favorite category, replayability. Um, Nick, why don't you tell us how replayable you think this game is? Uh, it's kind of difficult for me. Okay. Uh, because I feel like this game, if you play it, uh, it's going to take a part of your soul. Like maybe a little bit, little tiny part. Like, I don't think you can leave this game, and and unless you do something wrong with you, like say that it's like a shitty fun game. Like, there'll be it'll all there'll be something in the back of your mind that's always kind of nagging at you that hey, I need I need to play this game again, kind of thing. Uh, just to so you go back into it and experience the, the the world and the characters and the gameplay and all the all of it. Um, and I guess it's got that customizable stuff you can do in it, if that's really what you're into. Uh, so I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Uh, Blaine, how replayable do you think this game is? Well, um, it's a game that I play every few years. Uh, it's, I, 
I think it's great. Now, it, it's not one that you can obviously, like on two, where you can play it and then immediately, if you wanted to, play it again and have a different experience with a different town or whatever. It's going to be basically the same game. Mm-hmm. But with the added element of the fishing, which after mentioned, I just feel like it's the best fishing game. You know, four kind of ruined it a little bit for me, and the previous two titles were kind of just minimalistic. But this is just great. It's like one of my all-time favorite fishing games, period. And as I said, I will pop this in every few months just to go fishing. It's, you know, very uh, cathartic. It's just kind of easygoing. You get your little text going. You know, you, you grab up a big fish. You reel it in. You know, oh, it's great. And the whole time, this, like, kind of jazzy little tune is playing. It's, I don't know, it's just really cool. So, overall, I, I think it is a game that you will come back to over and over again. So, I'm going to have to give it a five. All right, uh, I'll probably be the uh, slightly dissenting opinion here. Uh, well, for me, replayability is it, I it is super high, purely based on the um, the nature of the game. Like Nick said, it draws you in. It's it's a highly immersive experience in how everything looks great. It sounds great. It plays great. The story is interesting, and it is highly replayable, purely based on those things. Um, the only thing I think it has going against it in replayability is the length of some of the dialogue and cutscenes, and I think that really uh, bogs down games on subsequent playthroughs. So if you were able to say skip a cutscene or or fast forward through some dialogue, then I, I think it would be the perfectly replayable, like a perfectly replayable game. Um, I'm gonna give it a four for replayability myself. Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like, I want so bad to go back and play this game, but I know it is going to, like Nick said, cost me a part of my soul to invest the time in to play it again. Like it it is, it is a behemoth and, um, those games kind of scare me when they, you're talking about going back and replaying them. No, I get that. um, I feel like this is one of those games that will constantly call to you from the shelf to replay it. You know, even if you played it within a year or two. And that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's fair. I'm not, it's, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's always like, eh, maybe I'll replay this. You know, and I, I literally have behind me hundreds of games that are on my two playlists that I've never played, and I will still play Breath of Fire 3 over, you know, those, you know, I have I have a ton of games on my shelf that are constantly calling me to play them again, and I'll put them yeah. in, and I'll go, no, this is too long. No, it's, thank uh, you. It's a time thing. Yeah, and so, and that happens more times than not. So, um, that's, that's a big, uh, oh Jesus, somebody got a text message. All right. So that's our scores. Now we're on to quick fire questions. We'll go through these real quick and in a hurry. Uh, first up is favorite character, Blaine. Oh, Gar, 100% right. Gar, followed by Ree. Uh, both those characters are right up my alley, you know, just like the tough guy character in Gar and then like the, the quick ninja like character that Ree or Rai or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, by far the best characters in the game. Alright. Uh, Nick? Uh, Ray, and then I guess Tifo. He's kind of a moody badass. Uh, I also I also really enjoy uh, Tipo, but that's mostly because one of his spells, his audio file, sounds like he's saying a really bad word, so I enjoyed it. Uh, number two question. Uh, single best addition to the game from Breath of Fire 2 to Breath of Fire 3. Nick? The it's a difficult question, or it's either it's either fishing or the dragon gene system. Okay, Blaine. Oh, it's fishing for me, one hundred percent. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to go with the dragon system while the fishing is great. Um, I don't think the fishing in two was uh, appalling. It wasn't the best, but it, you know, it's also so yeah, like, but the, but, but, but the, uh, the dragon system in two was utter garbage. So, uh, leagues better. Favorite boss, uh, Blaine. Oh gosh, it's, I don't remember the half of them. I guess I'll go with the McNeils because that's like, oh, fucking McNeils. That was hilarious. They were goofy and, you know, it didn't quite fit, but it was, it was funny. I, I enjoyed that. Oh man, that was great. Nick, favorite boss? Uh, Gar, because it was like kind of an emotional type of thing. All right. For you, like to find out that you have he's gonna fight you, kind of thing to me. So. Yeah, that I'm I'm with you. That was a big uh, kind of plot point where it's like, oh, I really liked you, and so uh, all right. Balio and Sunder are they bros? Bras or bros? <laughs> Nick. Uh, they're assholes. Blaine. I think they're definitely poking each other with those horns. I'm right there with you. Got my uh got my uh my drift there. Yeah. Number five, favorite dragon form. Nick I didn't pick up on that, my bad. I was like, I don't know what this is asking. Nick, favorite dragon um, form. the warrior one where he's kinda half human, half dragon. Alright, Blaine. Hell, I really don't know. I don't remember the half of them. I'd be uh Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I did. I liked any of the behemoth dragons, like the big yeah. brutish motherfuckers. Those were great. They looked amazing. All right. And finally, how hard was this game to masturbate to? Nick? Zero out of ten. This is the hardest to masturbate to? No. Is it like... Oh, super easy. Ten would be hard? No. Yeah, super easiest. Easiest masturbation. Easiest. Okay. All right. Blaine? This is the one that features blue naked, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is completely easy to masturbate to. All right. On where you're at. I'm with you right there. You know, Ray, yeah. he's a, he's a, he's a handsome son of a bitch. I don't know that I'd go there. But... <laughs> You've already gone there. Don't lie. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's, we've, we've, it's, it's, you know, sometimes I'm not saying I wouldn't. Sometimes a guy that. wakes up and they realize that they, you know, don't hate male genitalia sometimes as much as they thought they did. You know, it happens. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. If, if well, not gay, unless you kiss on the mouth. Well, or I mean, on the dick. if you've never, let's say if you never tried it, then you don't know if you like it or not. So, <sighs> You know, I've never eaten shit either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, don't knock it till you try it, man. Yeah, after I get <laughs> off here, I'm gonna go take a dump and just no. just spoon it up, man. It's recycled nutrients. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking with you. All right. Uh, I'm gonna let's, vomit now. Let's let's wrap this turd monkey up. Uh, Blaine, why don't you tell us where we can find you and all the wonderful things that you do? Oh, jeez, you can find me anywhere at this point i do entirely too much i do a podcast called is it worth it podcast it's part of the retro rpg network i just started a podcast on your network it's called um, video games the movie uh doom just went live today uh you can find me any number of places if you just type in either one of those keywords um, you can find all my contact information i'm pretty easy to get a hold of that's for sure all right let's pull out the beautiful beautiful sky music all right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The RPG Show. If you leave us a rating and re- review on iTunes, each one counts, and we love you for it. 
uh, be sure to visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. You can send us an email, podcast at therpgshow.com. You can also visit our forums over at therpgshow.com. You can see our other shows there, including Video Games the Movie, hosted by Blaine and James, the coolest guys on the internet. Please go listen to them. Except and, for everybody else on the internet. And leave them a rating and review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at therpgpodcast. You can do all kinds of awesome things for us. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. I love you that way. And until next time, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> hey, you know what? How about you and James go up and bally and sunder your way out of here? <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs>